Hello, 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 friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Corner Podcast, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm your host, Harry Poppin, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Aisha Adams. Aisha is a poet, a muse, a blogger, and the author of the new book, I See How You've Kept Me, which is a four-part poetry book that takes you through a journey of brokenness to reach complete healing. Aisha was a lot of fun to talk to, so shout out to her for coming on and having this discussion with me. Now, this episode is kind of significant, and I wanted to address this in the previous episode, but it com- I completely forgot about it. Uh, this will be my 53rd episode of season three. And when I started filming for this season in December, I had put a goal that I wanted to do one episode a week, and that would tally up to 52 episodes. And couple days ago we released our 52nd episode and we are now on our 53rd and it's just kind of crazy to me um that so many people want to come on and honestly low-key that the show's still going uh so big shout out to everyone who's either been on or who keeps supporting the show um little milestones like this are you know big motivators for me even though you know they're kind of small but they mean the world to me so thank you thank you again It, it means it means the world Now, before we get started here, guys, if you're listening, you know the drill. Please like, comment, share, subscribe, give five stars if you're on that podcast platform. Share with someone who might want to hear this episode. It's a really great one, and I can't wait for you to listen. I'll talk to you all very soon. Have a great rest of your day. Peace. live Aisha thank you so much for joining me today thank you for having me I'm excited to be on here yeah I'm pumped so before we get too into everything I wanted to get to know you a little bit better so where did your journey with your platform where did that kind of start okay well honestly I'd have to say it started once the whole lockdown started like everyone else big transformation um do you mean like in terms of my book Yes. yes, your book and then like Seeds Before Water and the whole deal. Right. So Seeds Before Water actually started in my first year of university. And my blog was actually called Simply Living at first. And I was kind of just writing down my thoughts and and like posting some poetry because I was going through some things at that time. And writing has always been like my way of expression. I used to perform spoken word and stuff like that. Mm. So I was like, let me just open a blog. And I wrote consistently for like two years and then I started to think about a way that I wanted to change my blog but I didn't know how to do it I didn't know what to do what I should change it to so I kind of just kept posting poetry and then once COVID started um, I actually had like a big epiphany and I found God again you know my Christian faith which is really really a big part of my life now it's like the main part of my life Um, now and I ended up changing my blog from simply living to seeds before water which is actually based off the scripture Luke 8 the parable of the seed Um, and I said seeds before water because in a way we're all seeds you know we're all seeds still growing still figuring out you know what type of soil we should be planted in what type of how to take care of ourselves how much water we need how much sun we need so I said seeds before water because this is like us before that realization. And I feel like when I started the blog, I was still figuring out myself. You know, I was me before knowing who I was. So seeds before water is like me figuring out who I am before the water. <laughs> and um, finding God really helped things come together. I read this quote once and they were like, oh, if you want to know who you are, you need to ask your creator. You need to go to the one who created you. And when COVID started, I basically stopped focusing on always chasing goals, always doing things and was finally able to just sit down and think and sit down and listen. And finally, God spoke to me and started to reveal things to me, started to reveal who I was, who I was created to be. And that was it. Everything just started to go up from there. I started writing my book. I see how you've kept me. And um, I was able to finish it because 
I, I actually started this book like two years ago, but I could mm. never finish. I could never finish because I just didn't know how to, to write about chapter four, which is about healing. I could mm. never finish that chapter. And then meeting God, I finally started to heal and started to have the poems, the right words to put inside the book, was able to design it the way I wanted to. And then that's what happened. That's awesome. Thank you. Now, now when, when God, when you said God spoke to you, was it like a clear messaging or did it like over time you were kind of like, Oh, this is what it is. I get it now. Yeah. Um, he didn't speak to me. Like I didn't hear a vivid voice. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a distinctive voice that was like, Aisha, this is who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I would probably ran out the door. I would have like <laughs> jumped out the window, but in reality, it was, <laughs> it was this, it was this like very strong feeling of like, hey, you're not alone. You know, you're not doing all of this stuff. Like you're not going through these things alone. You're not living for yourself. You know, there is something greater. There is someone greater that will help you, that will guide you. And um, I remember my little sister at the time, this was in like May, she was basically talking about Jesus and, and God and I was in the new age at the time. So I was all about crystals, tarot cards, manifestation, psychic. So I wasn't really listening to her, but then I had like a really um, intense mental breakdown one night. And I was just like, I was so lost. I was lost. Everything I was doing wasn't working anymore. Meditating wasn't working. Just the things I was so used to doing just wasn't impacting my life anymore. And I remember just like sitting down and I was staring at my wall and I was like, yo, God, like, if you're really real, I need you to show me who you are. You mm. know, like, you're really out here. If you're really here for me, like, I need you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you because I don't know anything. I don't know who else to go to anymore. And then the next day, my little sister, she ordered two Bibles on Amazon, like a week before this event happened. And then, no, she ordered one Bible on Amazon and then two Bibles came in. Mm. You know, like they mistakenly gave her two Bibles and then she just gave me the Bible. And the Bible is basically the book that shows you who God is. You know, if you want to know who God is, you have to read the Bible to know who he is and understand how he works. So I asked God to reveal himself to me and he gave me the Bible. And that was it. That was my confirmation. Okay, it's time to know who God is. And here I am now. Wow. And I love when, you know, you get little signs in life like that like little tidbits where it's like oh i'll give you two bibles instead of one yeah. just a little sneak that's awesome mm -hmm. now how intentional like that too yeah 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 definitely so how is your like mental state now you know we're like a year and a half into this lockdown things are starting to open up like how how do you feel now i feel a lot at peace and i also feel a lot more ready to take on um the world you know, before, if you met me before, I had a lot of dreams and aspirations, but I was never excited about the future because I honestly didn't think I would live past like the age of 25. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, it just that wasn't a concept to me. Like I was just like, yeah, something's going to happen and eventually I'm just going to die and I won't have to worry about it, you know, and um, now I'm a lot more hopeful. Um, I'm a lot more brave to take on all these adversaries that life places in us. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited and I'm happy. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah no, I, I definitely feel that where um, you're like, yeah, I can't, <clears throat> whoa. You're like, yeah, I can't picture myself after like 25 or 30. It, it's a weird feeling. You're like, because I used to be a kid who planned everything. I had everything planned. I was like, I'm going to get married at this age. I'm going to have a family at this age, blah, blah, blah. It like kept me sane, which in the long run didn't help. But now it's like, I can't really look that far. And I'm not sure why. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it's like, do you feel like you're letting go a little bit of those expectations and those plans or? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I almost took my own life. And when I went to therapy, like one of the big things was that I like making a plan and I need to follow that plan. And whenever something in that plan goes awry, which in life always happens, uh, my world felt like it was crumbling apart. And so 
I, I, I did a lot of work in the sense of have a plan skeletal wise, like have an outline of where you want to go, but don't live day by day planning everything because yeah. not, it's not going to go according to plan. So I think, you know, as a product of that, I don't look that far ahead. Mm. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. You know, because you don't want to, I feel like when you plan too much, it actually stresses you out. Mm-hmm. You know, everything becomes like a bit more stressful because you don't know how to let go when you're, and you become too focused on this one thing. And, you know, when you're so focused on your life, you're not letting room for God to come in and intervene. Right. You know, you're not letting room for things to actually happen on its own. So at that point, you're not even living in flow. You're living in a state of restriction. Mm-hmm. you're trying to like stay in this box that you've created for yourself but i don't think human beings are meant to live that way you know i don't think we're meant to have full controls of our lives that way because we're not the ones who created it we don't even know what what is planned for us right so there needs to be some form of disobedience of not disobedience of obedience <laughs> and being able to let go and let things kind of unfold themselves because life does unfold itself in some ways you know yeah, it's weird that way. Life just keeps going. It does. It keeps going. Doesn't stop. Man, I kind of vibe with it, but I kind of vibe with it too. I mean, you know, whatever happens with you, life keeps going on. I think that's pretty. Well, if you think of if you think about life that way, like for me anyway, it calmed me down a lot to realize that because when you're stuck in your own head, you know not in a selfish way, but life almost revolves around you in your own, like you think that life revolves all around you, not in a selfish way though. You're like, oh, if like, I can't mess up because the world's going to laugh at me. It's like, well, life's going to keep going, man. Like, it's not like, it's not just going to stop and look at you. (laughs) No, absolutely not. (laughs) You're not going to be ridiculed across the world unless you're, I don't know, like there's some specific cases, but life just keeps going. Yeah, and if you really take it in, we're just a floating rock. In the I know. Like, if you just, what we see, the life that we think, the whole world that we think is the whole world is actually just a small part on this earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, not a lot of people know who we are. We really are more free than we think. It's not like all eyes are on us or we live in a fishbowl where everyone's just trying to look at our next move. You know, our life is more private than we think it is. Hmm. It really is. And I feel like um, social media has created this illusion of like, people are always watching you, you know, your likes, your story views, all these type of things. But in reality, we have a lot of quiet and intimate moments in our lives. And I think those are the ones that we need to cherish more. Yeah, for sure. I think I think we cherish the opposite way too much. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, people lose sleep over how many likes they get that's crazy it's like come on man that blows my mind (laughs) i know it's really upsetting (laughs) like i've had i've had um one friend and i won't say their name but like they literally one day were like i I couldn't sleep last night i'm like why they're like my post didn't do well i'm like are you kidding me your post they're like yeah i look i look i looked really good in it and not it was like one of my lowest liked ones i'm like so <laughs> i mean what what really matters is that you looked good yes yeah if you look good to yourself that's what should matter i don't know i think realistically social media has changed the way everybody views the world and views themselves yeah you know, like in a way even though social media is like a highlight reel of our of the best moments of our life um it's become like the most important part of our lives. You know, mm-hmm. people don't see this reality as reality. They see social media as reality. When this, the social media, our online selves is like the least authentic version of ourselves half the time. Thinking about what you just said is terrifying. Yeah. Like, do you ever think about it though that way? No. <laughs> I, I, I now. <laughs> I really think about it like a lot. Cause it's like when we have our very like fun, fun moments, a lot of people are more interested in, Oh, I can't wait to put this on my story. And it's like, yeah. Yo, don't you want to just experience it? You know, like 
what happened to taking pictures and having actual pictures and just keeping it in your room, keeping it to show your kids or your generations to come. Instead, we want to Instagram it. We want to show people that probably that will probably like it and forget about it in like 10 minutes. I've done that. People are like, did you see my post? I'm like, no. And they're like, you liked it though. I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but that's crazy. It's like that is because there's so much more to life than that, right? Yeah. Oh, it's it's crazy. Like you know, as when you're when you're a kid, your parents have photo albums on photo albums and they're everywhere and you have your history right there. I don't know. I, I don't think I have any developed pictures of me after like seven. Yeah. Everything's online. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, what if something stops working? What if all that data is gone? What if you lose a memory card? yeah oh that that really tripped me out when you were like yeah people because it's true people view that as reality as opposed to reality which is so scary especially the younger generations who like they they like i mean come on we're not that we're not old but like kids who grow up with a phone in their hand yeah like we didn't have that Mm -hmm. we eased into it exactly and we also spent more time outside indoors and online looking at our phone yeah yeah I, like wh- i don't even know what kids do now for fun <laughs> yeah like i actually have to make my siblings um because i'm the oldest of of six and i have some pretty younger siblings and i actually have to make them go outside and play and like make them explore the world, like go to the beach and pick up different shells or pick up rocks and stuff like that. Because they they have tablets and sometimes they'd rather sit down in their room, like looking at YouTube videos or like watching TikToks. I mean, I don't blame them. It's addicting, yeah. but like right. TikTok is addicting, but <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But man, like I, um, when I was a camp counselor at the zoo, I, I was in charge of like eight to 10 year olds. And uh, there was this one eight year old girl who was like, can I follow you on Instagram? And I was like, no. Old. Wow. <laughs> yeah, she was eight. And I was like, first of all, that's weird. So no. Second of all, you have Instagram at eight. And she was like, so I said, no. And she's like, what about what about Facebook? I was like, no. She's like, what about snapchat i was like all of that they have all of it i was like no i'm not following you on snapchat man but it's crazy they have everything i can't even imagine and i i've said this on the show i can't even imagine what my mental health would be like if i had tech like that kind of social media in elementary school could you imagine i don't even know i can't I can because it's like social media. It's so it's so strange that they call it social media because it makes us really antisocial in real life. That's true. That's facts. You no, know, yeah. like it's so weird because you don't develop those people skills. Like I know people that are doing so well online, but they can't even have a normal conversation. Yes. They can't even make eye contact. Oh. <laughs> and it's like it's so weird. Yeah, it's strange. It, it confuses me, but I guess this is the world we live in now. Who knows? Man. Who knows? That goes back to dating online. Yeah. Because for me anyway, like you always know what to say and the other person always knows the right thing to say. And then you meet them in person. You're like, oh, I don't like this person. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's easy to like, um, to become someone else online. It's easy. so easy. Everything online is calculated. Mm-hmm. You know, but then when you're in real life, it's like, okay, we're actually put on the table now. Like we can't, hide behind a phone screen we can't think about how we want to word these things like this is just how we talk yeah so it's like i feel like maybe in a way there's a lack of people skills now and then also you add this whole pandemic and like schools being closed and you think about the little kids not going to school socializing with kids doing everything online now you just start to question how um socializing is going to look like in the future I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> um, I'm very concerned. I, I just hope like we get back to it because like p- 
people, humans are supposed to socialize and not just, not technology, like through a screen is so different. Like you don't catch that person's energy. You don't catch like, like, I don't know. It's like a different feeling when you're in person that you just completely miss out on. Intimacy, right? Do you have a dog? Yeah, I have to film stuff in here. I I have like a room where I film things, but I come in here sometimes because she's got really bad separation anxiety. Oh right. So she'll be like outside of my door crying all the time. So I just kind of I'll film in here so she can lay on the bed. Oh, that's cute though. I love dogs. I have a dog too. Yeah, she um, I don't know. I don't know if you found this with your dog, but the pandemic has made her very very attached because we can't leave like when we leave and we close like a door he scratches the bottom of the door so now like our doors have scratch marks oh man (laughs) yeah it's crazy yeah no um i'll go in i'll I'll go brush my teeth and she'll be crying i'm like i'm brushing my teeth man i'm like right there it's like a it's like a five second thing yeah yeah this lockdown's got everyone uh on a different wavelength yeah life has changed like i when a lot of people talk about oh i can't wait for things to go back to normal i'm like y'all you need to get ready because this is the new normal life is not going to go back to the same after this It's, it's not whether we like to believe it or not we have to learn to adapt in some way we have to learn to just figure out a new way to i don't want to say cope but a new way to just live Mm. you know yeah so how do we get there how do we get there acceptance letting go letting go of that idea of the past and how things were before covid and kind of like really being present in the now and looking at how everybody's acting now looking at how things are changing and how we can find the good in it Mm. yeah yeah, I had, I actually had a moment. I think it was, I think it was last night. All the days are blurring together, but um, I had a moment last night where I, I like, I thought back to what summer was it? I think it was the summer going into first year university because that was like one of my favorite summers ever. And it was like, you know, we went to the cottages and I was with a ton of friends and we, it was like the first summer where I personally just kind of, let myself go in terms of just had fun because all throughout high school, I was kind of like, no, I gotta, I gotta study. I gotta swim. I gotta train. Like, but that was kind of the summer I was like, I'm going to let go. And it was like the most fun summer ever. And I was looking back on it and getting really sad. And then that's kind of like, like you're going to get that. Yeah. You you just, you can't dwell on it because it like, I, I was on it for like what an hour and it ate at me. So I can't even imagine people who are like the entire lockdown going like, oh, I want to go back to that. Yeah, no, I, I vibe with that. Like your experience, I've had that experience multiple times, you know, especially when it first started. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, I can't wait for things to come back. But then all of a sudden another lockdown. And it's like when that lockdown's about to end, you think, okay, maybe this is it. Things are going to go back to normal. And then another lockdown. So it's like, you just have to, you kind of have to make do with what you have. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to make do with what you have. Like some people have it worse. Some people really have it worse right now. Some people like half their families are in the hospital. You know, some people they've lost people already. Some people can't even leave their house because they're so afraid because there's, they have like immune um, illnesses and they are, they can catch the, the, you know, the virus easily and stuff like that. So you just have to learn to, to really find little, little things that you can be happy with and focus on those, mm-hmm. focus on those things. Like, I don't know, waking up in the morning and having time to make a good breakfast. You know, that's one thing to be happy about. Cause like, I don't know, before COVID, I used to run out the house with like a cup of coffee. Yeah. I never had time to sit down and just eat breakfast or even being able to sit down with your family, knowing that you don't have like so much things to do and, we just have to make do with what we have. That's mm-hmm. how we do it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. 
I was going to ask, like, because another side to that is like, you know, we have so much free time and because social media is our new reality, everyone's on it all the time um, for better or for worse, but you get, um, there's so much media and so much information from so many different areas around the world about like unfortunate tragedies that are going on and like other things, but how do you, how do you not let that overwhelm you? Because it's so much information and like, it's important to be, you know, educated in what's going on, of course, but how do you not let that like overwhelm you mentally? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's a good question. Um, For me personally, I have to realize that I can't do everything. You know, like bad things happen every single day and there isn't much we can do about it. You know, Mm -hmm. there are wars happening and there isn't much we can do about it. So sometimes I really do just sit down and pray. Like I'll take an hour out of my day and actually pray for this specific issue, like um, the Palestinians. Like I took an hour out of my day for like a week and just prayed for them, prayed, worshiped, you know, and and just believing that God can do and and doing what I can with with what I have, you know, sharing their, their posts, donating, writing emails, um, doing what we can, but you know, there's just so much we can do. So if you focus so much on like all the things that's happening and how you can help, you're going to really drive yourself mad because there isn't much we can do. Mm -hmm. There isn't much we can do. We just have to do what we can do. And what we can do is, you know, maybe sharing information, educating ourselves, educating those around us, you know, donating if we can. That's just kind of how I look at it. How do you deal with it? Uh, I mean, I kind—I don't know. Like, there was definitely a point um, where I let it overwhelm me because, you know, you get all the news and for me anyway, like, you know, how how do I put this without, I I don't want to sound like I'm like upping myself. Like I have a big heart. I don't know how to say that without sounding braggy. It's just who I am. But like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you see these things and you see like people going through it and it's like, it, it, for a while it took me over. It took over me, sorry, because it was like, you feel helpless because it's like, like I'm seeing this, I'm seeing it happen, but like I'm on the other side of the freaking planet or like when things were going on in, you know, in the States or even here in Canada, it's like, I'm like, you know, I'm just a, a little fish in a huge pond with all this stuff going on. Like, I, I don't know how to do it. So for me, it really overwhelmed me. And I mean you know, being overwhelmed about it is different than experiencing it. So in that sense, I'm fortunate. But so what I, I, I guess I do the same as you, you just got to do what you can and realize that you can't do everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's like this one um, podcast I listened to last year when all of that thing was happening with like George Floyd, because that really did mess with me. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie that really affected me because I watched the video. Yeah. I watched the video and that was just like, blew my mind. Cause I'm black. I have black siblings. You know, I don't want them to grow up in a world like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that we have to realize, and especially um, because of like my Christian faith is that we live in a very spiritual world. You know, we are spiritual beings and the things around us is more spiritual than we think. You know, and things like war, things like like hate crimes, racism. Um, Yeah, it's people. It's people that do these things. But you have to realize that there are spiritual forces behind that doing it. Evil forces behind those 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 actions, behind those movements. You know, so sometimes we have to be able to really um, watch and equip ourselves. Like if we start to have a lot of anger, a lot of anxiety, you know, a lot of frustration, those emotions are not from God. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we have like good intentions, we're angry because we don't like the injustice that's being done. You know, we don't like what's happening. We have to realize that sometimes all these things can steal your peace. 
really, really putting yourself into these, these, um, these uh, like worldly things can steal your peace. So you have to be able to, to distinguish between, okay, spiritual warfare and, and mental state. Like you have to be able to distinguish between those two things, which is why I really, really do turn to God in moments like this, in moments of crisis, because I believe and I know that God is greater than all of these worldly things. And I have to, I have to really believe that he's working things for the greater good. Mm. I have to believe that all things, you know, I have to believe the wicked will not, will go, will not go unpunished. I have to believe that, that whoever is suffering right now, God is going to console them. I have to believe in something greater than myself because in those situations, there isn't much I can do, but there is so much that God can do. Right. So that's kind of like a perspective that really helps me now, you know, just really like paying attention to those things, like the things that really steal your peace, the things that make you really, really angry all the time. You have to realize, okay, obviously something is trying to make me angry. Obviously something is trying to steal my peace in this moment. Obviously something is trying to make me feel defeated, you know? So that's just like a little tad bit. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. That's, that's great. When, when things like this are happening, is it for you, is it hard sometimes to find the reasoning behind why things are happening? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like um, a lot of people will be like, oh, if, if, if God is so good, then why does he let bad things happen? Mm-hmm. And we will never, we won't be able to know these things because God is more sovereign than us. You know, God is greater. Like his thinking is greater than our thinking. We will never understand the way God works. You know, but we have to know that in all things, God is good. And just as God exists, so does the devil. So you have to realize that there are like um, evil and good things clashing at all times, darkness and lightness clashing at all times. So sometimes um, when bad things happen, you know, we got to pray because that could be the devil's work. You know, yes, um, God does sometimes let things happen, but realistically, the devil is still working hard on this earth, which is why the earth is filled with so much turmoil, so much pain, so much so much de- depression and, and, and negativity, but God is still greater than all of that. God can still conquer all of that. And God helps us cope with all of that. God helps us um, uh, deal with all of those things. You know, we can't do these things on our own. And it's the same reasons why we ourselves, we've gone through terrible things, you know, in our life. You know, we've gone through t- traumas, things that's just really made us question, like, God, why would you let this happen to me? But we don't realize until like a few years down the line, we don't realize how that one situation helped us with this situation, how that mm-hmm. one traumatic situation prepared us, you know, um, for this, this, this task that we have to do now, you know? So that's just like how I look at it. It's a lot of people don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that sometimes God lets bad things happen. Um, but it's the truth. His under his way of thinking is so much greater than ours, and we'll never understand why certain things happen. But we have to to know, and we have to trust that God is good. And somehow, some way, maybe a few years down the line, something will come out of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you you mentioned that. Uh, you know, before you saw God, you were into like the meditation and the crystals and everything. So I'm trying to think of how to word this, the question actually. Yeah, no, I'm tra- sometimes my brain freezes. Oh, and it's, <laughs> it's just like, it's like you're working too hard. Um, but so when you look back on when you look back on your own personal journey, like I was reading up a bit about you on your website, like with your grade, like in grade four diagnosed with a learning disability. And then, you know, as life went on, when you look back on that stuff, like 
do you now see how that prepared you for right now? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, it's crazy. So, you know, one thing that um, I learned recently is that when you accept Christ into your life, that doesn't mean your life is always going to be peaceful. Sometimes accepting Christ in your life is basically wearing an armor, knowing that you'll be fighting with a lot of, you know, unforeseen things, you know, a lot of unforeseen, unforeseen spirits and stuff like that. You will be battling, you know, but we can conquer, we can do anything through Christ who strengthens us. Um, and to answer your question, definitely what I went through growing up prepared me for where I am now. And I'm starting to see it now. Like I couldn't see it last year. If you asked me last year, I wouldn't be able to see it, but now I'm starting to really see it. Um, so I'm sure like you read on my blog, you know, I had that whole diagnosis with the learning disability and then basically joining the wrong crowds and then people saying that I'm going to end up in jail and stuff like that. It really played with my head and I never thought I was destined for great things. I never thought I was ever going to do anything, you know, and I actually did attempt suicide. You know, I actually did try to kill myself and I did wake up in the hospital like a week later. You know, I went through that whole experience. And even then, even when I woke up, I still wasn't grateful I was alive. I was still angry at God. I was like, why would you even make me live if, if my life isn't even going to be great? Like, what's the point of keeping me here? You know, um, and the perception of me at that time was a juvenile, was someone who, you know, couldn't listen, someone who was ghetto, someone who was loud, reckless. And I was always... I always felt like an outcast. I always felt like um, people didn't expect much of me, especially teachers and schools. I actually remember um, when I got back to school after my attempted suicide, my biology teacher at the time, she, when I came back, she was like, oh, welcome back, but you still have a lot of work to do. You know, all because you leave doesn't mean the, the world stops. Bruh. <laughs> That was like, that was the first, that was like the, the, that was what I got the first time I got back to school, you know, and that really messed with my head too. That actually, that I, I took, it took me a while to get past that, what she said. It just made me mm -hmm. feel terrible. And I was just like, damn, like, you know, I just went through some messed up stuff. Like people at school just thought I had a seizure and was in a coma, you know, but I'm like, damn, even with that, people still think I'm, I don't care about school. People still think I'm just like a, a lazy person. People still think that, you know, I'm all jokes all the time. And fast forward after many, many years of like healing and making mistakes and then healing from that and just all of that, um, I'm in a place now where I actually get to help people that are seen as outcasts, people that, that society doesn't expect much of them. You know, I'm actually um, right now helping build this nonprofit organization that helps prisoners through prison ministry Mm. So we basically empower um, convicts, and convicts and their families, while also advocating for um, prison reform and and um, restorative justice principles. And I can see how my past prepared me for this role. I don't think if I actually went through what I went through, I would be able to do the things I'm doing now. There is no way, because right. what I went through allowed me to sympathize for prisoners, allowed me to sympathize with them and their experiences and their families because I know what it feels like and I know exactly, I, I know exactly how they feel and how I can help them. And that wouldn't be if I didn't go through what I went through. So that's kind of a way to answer that. Yeah, it came full circle. Full circle. Full circle. And I, and I still don't know where God is going to take me with, you know, this that I'm doing now, or even the experiences of my past. I still don't know, but I'm able to see it unravel as I go. You know, as you, you grow up, God reveals to you where he's going to take you. God reveals to you how all these experiences um, will eventually prepare you for these different tasks. He reveals them to you over time, but you just have to stay obedient and just kind of have to just keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Why, why do we always, why are people in different positions of power? Why are they so quick to label kids and put them in a box? Honestly, I don't know. 
that, I, I don't know, you know, um, when I was diagnosed with a learning disability, one thing I do remember was whenever I was taken out of class and put into like a different special class, I noticed I was always with other people of color. Mm, yeah. And so, you know, I think there is something systematic there. You know, the people of power, they're still following this systematic, this systematic like I don't know systematic rule or something that just still oppresses people and their children and that's just my experience you know I, I'm not that educated to speak on these certain matters but in my experience that's just what I noticed I felt like there was a little bit of prejudice and um, an inability to understand different cultures and different upbringings and why children would be different Instead, I feel like it was just easier for them to see a black girl that was acting out and just label her as some as like a learning disability and just a lost cause. Yeah, no, there's well, I mean, they didn't even get take time to know who you were. They just kind of said, yeah, you're going to be in jail by 18. Yeah. And you know what's really crazy is um, a year before that diagnosis, my family and I we were in a shelter. Mm. But the school didn't even know that. They didn't know that my dad had just left us and my mom had to go to a shelter for single mothers with children. You know, that wasn't even, that didn't even, they didn't even ask, they didn't even try to see why I would be a kid that was acting out like that or why I couldn't focus in school. They didn't know what I was doing. They didn't know that I had to comfort my mother that was crying again last night. Mm -hmm. You know? They couldn't see these things. Instead, they just saw a black girl coming to class, wasn't able to focus, wasn't able to do the work, always talking, always kind of misbehaving, acting out. So definitely there needs to be some form of re reform in the education system and how they diagnose kids because there are so much other societal factors that contributes to the way kids act. You know, It's not just because of their brain. It could just be because of their family, because of their upbringing, because of trauma. Yeah. Well, geez, talk about, yeah, you need, there's, there's gotta be a big education reform. Like they, you nailed it. Like sometimes not all teachers, but sometimes teachers just expect so much from kids. Mm. Like they expect these like 10 year old kids to focus only on school, which is always boring. I mean, if you're interested in it, sorry, but for me, it was always boring, but like, they don't care about what's going on outside. Yeah. You could have come from like, you could be sleeping on the street. They wouldn't care. They're like, how good are your marks in my class? Exactly. It's, it's weird. crazy. It's, yeah, so it's, it's weird. awful. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why, like, why would you become a teacher if you can't be that passionate for kids to actually know about their upbringing and where they came from? But, uh, yeah. And like, I, I don't know, because the thing with like diagnosing people, I think it's important that people know what's going on so that they can get the proper help they need. Because I didn't even know what the word depression meant until I got into university and was diagnosed with it. But I think labeling kids so young, just based off what they're doing in your classroom, mm -hmm. or based on what you're seeing without knowing them very well, I don't think that's fair. It's because then regardless of who says what after they automatically put themselves in that box they put themselves they identify as that label that you just gave them because you're in that position of power and they look up to you and if if that per, if that person in power goes yeah you're you're just dumb or you know you're going to you have a learning disability or you're going to jail by 18 hearing that from someone in power you go well, shit, I guess so. Yeah. And that, like, it's so, like, it, I don't think people realize how impactful words are on children. Because we're, we're developing, you know, like, that's primary socialization at its finest right there. We are mm -hmm. still developing who we are, how we view the world. And imagine while you're still viewing the world, learning who you are, someone's telling you, you're not, you're not good enough. You know, you need help. You're not smart enough. You don't listen. 
you misbehave. You're, you're a bad kid. Yeah. I, I actually, not to the same extent, but when I was, when I was coming up in school, uh, I was often, cause I think I'm fairly smart. You know, I like to think so, <laughs> but, but in school, you know, I was really bad at math, like terrible at math. Cause it's just like, come on, like this stuff is so stupid, but, um, all the math, the, all the math fans are really pissed off right now. But, um, but I remember being in like grade 10 and I think, I think I got like 20% on the exam. Cause I just like, I don't know. I just didn't know it. And I, th- I, my teacher like took, brought me into class and he was like, you know, um, what did he say? It was something like, I remember, I don't remember what he said, but I remember the feeling so vividly because I felt like such a failure because he was like, you know, what did he say? It was something like everything you've done this year has been so disappointing. Um, it was something like everything you've been doing this year has been so disappointing, but so expected. It was like something along those lines where it was like, I'm disappointed, but not surprised. And I was in grade 10 and that's like a little older than these kids, but my whole life I was told I'm terrible at math based on the education system and how my marks were. And so when I actually heard it in words from a person I looked up to, I was like, well, shit. And then all through high school, I just was awful at math because I just accepted it. I didn't even bother putting work in. And it's like little things like that. Like that conversation was like four seconds long. And it, it like shaped how I viewed half of the education system. (laughs) Like people have to, people have to realize there's more, there's more impact on their words than they think there is. Absolutely. Especially when you're like a kid, it's like when you're a kid, realistically, even just your math, um, your, what's it called? Your grade 10 classroom is the whole world. Yes. You know, it's like thing. Everything is so small. When we're in high school, when we're in elementary school, life is very, very small. But it feels like the whole world. So imagine something feeling like the whole world, and you're getting all of these negative feedback. That's not helpful, by the way. You know, because sometimes if someone gives you feedback, it can actually help you. But they word it in ways that are detrimental to your growth, and that's just how you're going to view the world. That's just going to be your perception from now on. And it's crazy. And when you said just that four seconds, four second conversation shaped your life, that's really how it works half the time in the education system. That's it, mm-hmm. just that one moment. And, and then you're gonna be dealing with that until you're like late adulthood, just trying to deal with those things that people said, like, it's crazy. I know. You like, I, I did some of that inner child work with Hazel yeah. and she's been on the show, but we were talking about where this root cause of like uh, my self-confidence issues came from. Right. And and we got back all the way to the school playground in like freaking grade two because I was a new kid at school and immediately I was labeled like fat gay, which is not a problem. But like at the time it was like, no, it was like fat, gay, stupid, like, ugly like these things right away I didn't before I made any friends it was like that labeling and I had no one to turn to I'm 23 and I still have issues with it yeah it's like it it goes forever if you don't pay attention yeah it really does it really does like it's actually primary socialization like that we are shaping our world and those little early years are the most crucial years of our life when it comes to development like whatever we learn whatever we soak into our brains at that time will most likely stay and we'll be dealing with that for years to come i know people that are like 40 still dealing with things that happened in their childhood yep like it doesn't end that's why it's so important like so so important that the education system finds ways to just help kids without ruining their self-image you know, by the time they graduate high school, their self-image is just ruined. You know, how are we setting people up for the future? How are we setting people, our younger generation, for adulthood? How are we setting them up? Not very well. Not very well. <laughs> Not very well. Like, 
<laughs> but hey, that, that's good. That it's good that we're having these conversations now, though. You know, because if we have these conversations now, and more and more people have these conversations, hopefully, it's going to actually create a shift in some way sooner than later. Mm -hmm. Later. I mean, I hope so. I mean, when, I th I feel like our generation is like the one that's going to start that. I feel like we're starting to be more self-aware and aware of like what's happened uh, growing up and like looking back and going, Hey, that was pretty messed up. Uh, maybe that should stop happening. Um, but I think I I'm hopeful because once we get into positions of like teachers and whatever, whatever other education leadership roles there are, like, I think it will be better. There's always going to be some bad apples, but I think our overall mentality is different yeah absolutely but you know what we, you know i we can do it i believe in us i believe in this generation yeah i do too i believe in the people that's coming out of it yeah <laughs> i believe in us let's let's do it let's do it right now um yeah yeah i remember there was a there was a time last year where uh the people from my high school we all we all have twitter and people were just like listing things off that were so messed up that happened at our school and it was like this is good like i'm glad we're doing this because not only did all of our school kind of take a step like the people our age kind of take a step back and go wait a minute yeah you got a point that was really messed up yeah. teachers came in on it and then the board came in on it and they're like whoa like this is really messed up and it's like we we didn't even see it from that point of view it's like well finally we can freaking acknowledge this because there were th some things that went on in high school where you're like did we just let that slide yeah yeah and we're not going to talk about that that part it's crazy it is crazy <laughs> like there was there was um like they, they said some things and i remember just going like i remember when that happened and i was in high school and i went are we allowed to do that and then that was it. That that was the extent of the conversation. Cause I was like, is we're just going to let that happen. And people were like, I mean, I, I guess they're teachers. Yeah. And we're like, okay. Like that was it. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. There, there is like this weird hierarchy in schools too, where kids don't even feel like they can like voice their opinions against teachers and against um, the board and what's happening. It's weird. And I, that's probably what school systems should start doing. They just start having like a forum where students can just voice what they didn't like and stuff like that and, and things that really messed them up. So teachers can read it, the board can read it, and hopefully that can just change something, anything, please. So it's crazy that um, like for me anyway, in high school, if someone voiced their opinion, they were viewed as a rebel. They were labeled as a rebel for voicing their opinion. Pardon? Oh, I said, like, it's crazy that, you know, like for my high school anyway, when someone voiced their opinion to a teacher and said like, hey, that was actually offensive or like, hey, you know, that made me uncomfortable. They were labeled as a rebel. Yes. For voicing their opinion. Yes. Yes. I agree 100% with that because I was that kid. <laughs> I was that kid. I didn't care. Like, if you said something I didn't like, if you said something I thought wasn't right, like, no, I don't, I don't write, I don't vibe with that. That doesn't make sense, sir. And they'd be like, Aisha, get out the hall. Go to the hall. Get outside. Go to the office. I'm like, oh, okay. Everyone's like, oh. And every yeah, like what? For I saying, know. like, I don't, I don't hey, what you said actually doesn't make me feel great. They're like, what the fuck? You're gonna go to jail. Like yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> they actually go from zero to hundred real quick. So like, quick teachers that you'll talk back to them and they're like, if you keep this up, you know, what's going to happen to you. You're going to be in prison. You're going to be in the prison system. Good luck finding a job. Da -da -da -da. You just, they're like, Oh man, I just said, I just said, I don't think you can be talking about black issues that way. That's all I said. <sighs> no, that, that deserves jail time. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. I, I had one where um, we had this French teacher like the bane of my existence like she every time i say her name my friends go but um <laughs> but i remember my friend was eating crackers in class 
and he had he was like the messiest eater on the planet and he had left crackers on the floor and she was like harry were you eating crackers and i was like no and then she was like i don't believe it because you're big enough that you would eat all the time i was like (laughs) what i was so out of left i'm so out of pocket (laughs) (laughs) no she was wrong for that she was wrong for that i would have called me you the hell out of me she called me fat in front of the whole class and I wasn't even eating them. If I had been eating them, I would have been like, oh shit. Well, I mean, respect, I guess, but I wasn't even. And then there was another time where she was like the French class, by the way, where she, um, she was like, Harry, do you, out of nowhere, we were reading a French book and she was like, do, Harry, do you know long division? And I was going back to the math thing. I was like, yeah. I mean, I know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how to do it. I still don't. And she was like, you don't know how to do long division? And I was like, no. And she was like, get up here. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to give you a long division problem. And I was like, okay. And then she like wrote one on and it was, I don't know, for me, it was, it was probably really easy, but like for me, I don't get, I don't get long division. So I was looking at it like, uh, and she was like, she looked to the class and she was like, this guy doesn't know how to do math. And like made the class laugh at me. And I was like, yo, I was like, aren't we in French? Yeah. <laughs> so like that's it's cool. crazy. You can't be doing that. That's cruel. That's actually cruel. I don't even know where she is now. She got pregnant and I was like, how? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> there was this one teacher though that honestly she didn't like her job realistically. And this was in grade 12. And I don't know what happened. Um, a few years later, she ended up in jail. And I was mm. like, wow. I mean, you you reap what you sow. Yeah. You reap what you sow. But hey. Well, well, that's a little <laughs> intense. Uh, <laughs> but I hope things get better. I'm hopeful because of conversations like this and the fact that people now are not afraid, as afraid to call things out. I think we, we're more comfortable voicing our opinion, which is very important we're not afraid of that whole rebel label mm-hmm. because i remember that was the, the i was so scared of that label i was like there were times where i was i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna tell this teacher how i feel and then you would get like the the heat on your chest and you'd start blushing and you're like <gasps> and something like catches your throat you're like i can't do it i can't i can't be labeled a rebel i can't do it but now i don't think people are like that which is nice yeah hope yeah hopefully especially like um, from transitioning from high school to university and seeing how outspoken students were towards professors made me realize how messed up high school really was. Mm. Like how teachers actually silenced their students instead of listening to their opinions. And that needs to change. That really needs to change. Like we need to teach kids to become more opinionated. Like that is, yeah. need that, you know? Well, it like, how boring would life be if everyone was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. You wouldn't Nobody progress. Would yeah. Nobody yeah. would actually know themselves. They wouldn't even know how to communicate their feelings, voice, voice their emotions and stuff like that. Like, and that matters, especially as you get older in adulthood, like you need to learn to like voice your opinion, to set boundaries, to do those things. And high school doesn't prepare you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big reason why I had so much trouble like voicing out and talking about how I was dealing with things because of that. Like I didn't want to be silenced mm. in a way, if that makes, yeah. Cause I was yeah. always afraid of that. No, it does make sense. It makes a lot of sense. Cause you yeah. kind of know what can happen and that possibility is enough to just silence you on its own. Yeah. It's terrifying. Um, I had one, one final question for you. Oh yeah. Okay. So for people listening who are desperate to find themselves or don't feel like have just started to realize, like, I don't really know myself that well. And it's like, that's a scary feeling when you don't know who you are for those people listening how would what advice would you give them on how to start like finding themselves first step find god Mm. 
that's it. Find God. The reason why I always say this is because God is the one that created you. You know, if you really want to know who you are, you need to go to the person that created you because that person that created you had an intention when they made you. You know, they didn't just make you like, hey, let me just make this person from scratch and toss them on this earth. No, they were like, I'm going to make this person. This person is going to be named um, Aisha, for example, and they're going to do this, this, and this, and this. Like, this is who they are made. This is who they were designed to be. Go to your creator and he reveals those things to you. God is so intentional. He really does reveal things to us. But we as a people need to be able to just have that childlike faith and go to God, go to him, believing that he's going to reveal things to us. And he will. He will. We just have to really have that childlike faith. You know, this world is all about um, the science, tangible things and stuff like that. But God is, you can't see God until he reveals himself to you. And you have to be in this position, in this place where you want to seek him, where you want to know him. And then doing, doing that, he's going to reveal himself to you. And once he reveals himself to you, he's going to reveal you. Mm. Nice. <laughs> is, is there any way to specifically find him? Um, talk to him. Mm. Talk to him. Like, just sit down one day in your room and just pray, you know? And if you don't know how to pray, just, just start by having a conversation like, hey, God. You know, if you don't know, like for me, I, I wasn't sure if God was listening to me. So I literally was just like, hey, God, you know, if, if you're really out there, if you're really up there listening to me, like, I need you to help me out. Like, I need you to show yourself to me. I need you to reveal yourself to me because I don't know what I'm doing. And that, yeah. was, that was all I needed to do. Have a conversation with God. He's listening. He's with us. He, he, really, he really never leaves us. He's always with us. You know, we just have to be, we just have to call out to him. That's it. Mm -hmm. And what about, <clears throat> what about for people that kind of hear that and like scoff at the idea of God or a creator, mm -hmm. things like that? You know, if, if you don't believe in God, then, then that's, that's you. You don't believe in God, but it wouldn't hurt to actually just talk to him. Would it like, would mm. that really take anything from you? It wouldn't take anything from you. You know, one thing that I always like to think about is even if God doesn't exist, it's better to pray to him my whole life than to not pray to him my whole life. And then when I die and realize, oh, there is a God and there is a hell, like there is a heaven and hell, then you have so much more to lose. Mm. But knowing God, you don't lose anything. What is there to lose? What is there to lose to just say hello to God? Right. I think, I think because I'm, I'm personally not religious, but like, it's not like I'm like, God, ugh. you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm pretty open-minded. I think you really don't have anything to lose in terms of just one conversation. Cause sometimes you can find comfort in that, yeah. in like just shouting your opinion out or like voicing your opinion to a higher power or like believing there's a higher, like there really is no harm in it. There's no, like, there's literally nothing to lose. Yeah. But in the idea that let's say um, you don't, then there is a chance for you to lose something. Mm, right. I, get what you mean? I see what you mean. Like there is still that chance. Like I'd rather serve God my whole life. And then if I pass away and God isn't there, oh, well, it is what it is. You know, I just become dust. But mm -hmm. if God is there, I'll be seeing a friend. I'll be seeing someone I, I, I worship and someone I praised and served my whole life. You know, I'd be going. What? Yeah. And you also like, found comfort in doing it your whole life so it wasn't like let's say you get to the other side and there's no god and you're like oh it's not like you're going i wasted my whole life doing that no you know you don't waste anything there is literally nothing to lose by praying to god nothing right nothing but there is so much to gain mm. yeah i love that um where can my listeners find you, find your book, find your blog, find everything? This is your time to 
shameless plug the episode. Shameless, uh, yeah. So, you know, you can follow me on Aisha at Aisha the Poet. Or is it Aisha dot the poet? You see, that's the thing. I don't be on Instagram that much, but yeah, it's Aisha the poet. Um, you're probably gonna tag me on this, so just scroll down and tag and find me, and everything's on the link that's in my bio. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No, I'll definitely put those links down below. Aisha, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a pleasure. This has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So of much course. good conversation. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Absolutely. And to all my listeners. I will see you guys next time.